Penny for your thoughts is powered by savings.com.au, your home of consumer finance news, guides and product comparisons. Ready to make sense of your finances? It's time for another episode of Penny for your thoughts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Penny for your thoughts. I'm Emma. And I'm Hannon. Travel insurance. They say if you can't afford travel insurance, you can't afford to travel. Hannon, when you went on your Bali trip last year, did you take out travel insurance? Yeah, I did. And I feel like it's just you always have to take it out. I mean, we booked our flights through Flight Center, so we added on insurance through them with Covermore. And they were really great when it came to COVID insurance, especially because Bali had only just opened up to Australia and you did need to have pandemic pandemic cover in order to be let into the country. So Covermore, they actually did provide a letter for both Matt and myself stating that our insurance plan included COVID benefits. So that was really, really good. But I guess in all honesty, you know, we probably could have done some more research into travel insurance to find the best policy for the best deal. But I don't know. I think this is probably everyone's excuse. Doing it through Flight Center was just simple and quick and we had we had no hassles. But, you know, I think if something does go wrong, it can be extremely frustrating and time-consuming to work on how to put a claim in and get your money back. Like, for example, my friend, she went to Europe last year and uh, lost her luggage and it was like in her last week as well. Um, oh, no. So that was terrible. Yeah. And the process that she had to go through to get her money back was just dreadful. Like she had to provide a list of absolutely everything in the bag and how much it was worth. Then she had to prove how much every separate item cost through receipts in order to get her money back. Like, I don't know who the heck has their like receipt saved for the Mimco bag they bought two years ago. Cause she lost like, that's like, as an example, she lost her Mimco bag that she bought years ago. Like no one's got those receipts I lying know. around and <laughs> unless it's something like super, super, super expensive, like you don't have a receipt and that's what they were asking of her. And I know, I know that that's the rule when claiming lost luggage, but it just seems like they're trying to pip you wherever they can. I don't know. That's the vibe I get. Yeah, I know that when I got my suitcase for my trip coming up, um, the people at the bag shop were like, um, make sure when you get home, you take your receipt, um, take a photo of your receipt and then take a photo of like your bag at all angles so that if the airline damages it or whatever, you can click and prove that it was not like that when you bought it and all that. So I've made sure I've kept my receipts for most things. But yeah, if you're buying, if you're taking like a suitcase that you got like five years ago, you probably don't have the receipt for that anymore. No. No, I know. It's just terrible. Like, and you just never know what can happen. I guess she did go during a time when everyone was literally going over to Europe. And I think airports were just really, really overwhelmed. So something was bound, you know, some people's luggage was bound to get lost, but you just don't want it ever happening to you. Yeah. Did she ever get her money back? Yeah, she did. She got some money back, not all of it. And the process took a long time. I think it was seven months after they had come back home. Wow. And that's and they just weren't replying to her. They left her hanging for weeks on end after she would send like repetitive emails to them. And I just remember talking to her every week for updates and it just seemed like the most stressful thing ever. And, you know, I know that losing your luggage isn't, isn't the be-all, end-all. There are way more important things in life, but it definitely wouldn't be a fun experience and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. No, definitely not. Um, I mean, I'm currently in the process of researching travel insurance for my Europe trip, which is only three months away. 
Uh, and I definitely found it a bit overwhelming because this is the first time I've had to take out travel insurance and I want to make sure I'm covered for every little thing that could happen, especially because I want to do some adventure activities. Like I really want to do paragliding, maybe skiing. I'm not sure. I'm pretty clumsy as a good chance I'll break my legs. So maybe we'll skip that one. <laughs> um, but there's just so much fine print to read through. And, you know, coming out of this COVID era, another thing that you want to make sure that you get coverage for is COVID because, you know, it's still out there and God forbid it should ruin um, your travel plans. I didn't mind. I was just going to comment on the fact that like, cause you're going away for so long as well. You really mm. want to make sure that you do have coverage for everything because like, aren't you going away for two or so months? Yeah. Two months. It's a long yeah. time. Mm. And there's so many countries as well. Um, it's definitely making it a bit stressful. Yeah, no. Because on one of the websites, you have to enter like each country individually, which I guess is okay if you're going to like two or three. But when you're going to 16, I have to like keep a list of all the countries because I'll forget. Um, so, yeah, it's just a very oh long process. <laughs> it is, it is. And I guess to help us make sense of it all is Natalie Smith from One Cover Travel Insurance. Welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And so first things first, why do we need travel insurance? Yeah. So, you know, when you go overseas, you're not protected by Medicare. So if anything happens to you and you require medical treatment, it's really going to cost you an arm and a leg. So like just for some examples, like an ambulance can cost you $5,000. If you needed medical evacuation from the US to Australia, it could cost anywhere between seventy-five. dollars to $300,000, one night mm. hospital in the USA, one to $3,000. You know, it, these numbers, they just get bigger and bigger. One cup has paid out a $3 million claim for medical bill in the USA. Um, oh I'm not God. sure how many people have that sort of money, you know, in their bank account. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's a bit scary. We really regularly do see eye-watering medical bills. And it's, it's, that's, that's, that saying, isn't it? Essentially, if you can't afford travel insurance, you shouldn't be traveling. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And reading all those PDSs, that can be pretty overwhelming, and I'm in the thick of it right now. What are some of the most important things that we need to be looking for in a policy? Yeah, medical benefits, is, I would definitely say, is the most important. Um, you know, look for cover that's offering medical treatment if you're injured or become sick overseas um the next one is probably cancellation so cover for any fees or lost deposits for travel arrangements if you have to cancel before you go on holiday or if part of your trip is cancelled um but travel insurance doesn't cover for everything it's kind of unforeseen situations that you kind of can't control so things like illness injuries strikes or natural disasters um your belongings is probably another important one to look for so if your items are, are stolen or lost travel insurance can cover to repair or replace your items but you should be aware of per item limits and sometimes things like jewelry could be excluded so think before wow. you pack any expensive engagement rings or wedding rings or something that's something to maybe consider leaving them at home and another quite nice benefit is if you're hiring a car travel insurance can cover the excess payable if you 
crash or if it's stolen, that's quite, quite a little handy benefit. How do you prioritise what are the most important things to get coverage for? Um, you know, some people have a pre-existing medical conditions. They want to make sure they're covered for. Some people might be doing adventure activities or they're carrying expensive equipment. Um, so they want to get covered for those. I mean, obviously you want to make sure that you are covered for the very worst things like dying and then needing to fly your body back home. Um, but that's quite unlikely to happen, touch wood. So I don't know if I'm thinking about this the right way, but should you prioritize getting good coverage for the things that are the most likely to happen on your trip, like um, delayed or canceled flights and lost or stolen luggage, or am I going about that the wrong way? I think that sounds pretty reasonable, pretty sensible way of going about it. Obviously, everybody's holiday is different, so it's quite hard to generalize. But travel insurance policies do come in all different shapes and sizes. You can kind of pay for the bits that you need. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly I'd be prioritizing medical cancellation and luggage. Maybe not necessarily luggage if you're not planning on taking any high value items. But yeah, you mentioned pre-existing medical conditions there. That's really important to declare them when you're purchasing. Um, because if the travel insurer doesn't know about it, that could be problematic if you're trying to claim. Um, and you're right, skiing, cruising, hiring a moped overseas just make sure you've got all the the right amount of add-ons or extras or you're buying the right product that covers you for those sorts of things awesome and i wonder in terms of this whole this whole like lost or stolen luggage because i had a friend who actually the um, airline lost her luggage how long do you have to report lost luggage to your insurer is there a particular time period that you need to report that not typically. I mean, we you can actually make a claim at any point, but usually within the PDS, it will say within 30 days of you returning home is typically when, um, and not just lost luggage, could be any claim. Um, but when you do make a report for lost luggage, it's important to have things like the official report of what happened, like the police report or potentially a letter from the hotel where you were staying. And you're going to need proof of ownership as well, like receipts or bank statements for those items that you're claiming for. It's a bit of a funny one. If the airline or transport provider loses your bag, like really they should be the first port of call for reimbursement. If for whatever reason they don't compensate you, um, then you can go to a travel insurer. But there are conditions to kind of be aware of. If the transport provider's at fault, you're going to need a letter from them outlining what they have and haven't covered before you go to your travel insurer. Yeah. Okay, cool. And like, I guess in the case that if you don't have receipts for everything that you might have lost in your luggage, I guess the insurer can't reimburse you for those, can they? There are um, certain limits that you can claim on that without providing receipts. They're pretty reasonable understanding you're not going to have a receipt for everything but depreciation will apply to um certain items depending on how long you've had them for yes okay awesome thank you what's the go with travel insurance and intoxication um recently in the news Covermore came under fire for denying payment to an aussie tourist who fell and suffered a brain injury because there had been alcohol consumption involved um which is very sad obviously for her and her family um although I did think it was a little bit unfair that Covermore copped so much criticism because if you read the fine print um pretty much every travel insurance provider has a clause which excludes coverage um 
for incidents where there's drugs or alcohol involved. So I'm just wondering how do insurers interpret whether drugs or alcohol were actually the cause of an incident? Yeah, so it is a bit of a misconception that travel insurance doesn't cover you when you drink alcohol. You can certainly, you are allowed to have a drink on your holiday. But the yeah. tricky part is to do with the, the, the general exclusion that's when you do not act in a responsible way to protect yourself. It, it's that bit. So, exa for example, if you're drunk and you're treated for pneumonia or something, it's very unlikely alcohol has had any effect on that. But if you're drunk and you jump off a cliff and break a leg, then that could have been a contributing factor. So hospitals do actually test patients for their blood alcohol content, their BAC. Mm -hmm. And if doctors, along with witnesses, kind of if they determine that alcohol levels were a contributing factor to the incident, that could potentially affect a claim. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of like all the Aussies who love to go to Bali, if they're drinking and then they hop on their moped without, you know, the um, helmet and things like that, that's probably not a good idea. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Always wear a helmet. Make sure you've got yeah. enough cover. <laughs> Following on from that, what are some of the biggest reasons behind denied claims? So the one that we see a lot is actually policy eligibility. So people that aren't even reading the terms of the policy to start with. For example, if you purchase travel insurance when you've already left for your holiday, then your policy is likely to be invalid from the get-go. Um, the other one I mentioned before, so delays and cancellations are the, to the fault of airlines. Um, like really airlines need to step up and compensate their customers for the service that they've paid for. Um, travel insurance does cover delays totally for things like illness, accident, unforeseen weather strikes. But when it's mechanical fault um, or due to operational reasons, that's when it should firstly fall on your um, airline to go for compensation to start with. And probably um, being responsible with your items so you're not likely to be covered if your luggage is unattended and it gets pinched. So yeah. be vigilant with your stuff when you're overseas. It's, it's not like being in Australia. No, it's not, unfortunately. And I wonder, does travel insurance, I think you mentioned this before, but I just want to confirm, does it cover terrorism or natural disasters like an earthquake or tsunami? Yeah, absolutely. If that's what it's there to cover for, unexpected things like natural disasters, you know, if a cyclone does happen on your holiday, there'll be provision to claim for things like reasonable travel, accommodation, all these different meal expenses. You're not likely to be covered if you go to a country that says do not travel by the Australian government <laughs> for the simple reason that it's very high risk, not safe to go there. Um, but if you're overseas and there is danger from an act of terrorism, then the cover will... It, the act of war kind of um, there's exclusions to do with acts of war, but if you're overseas and there is you're in danger, then your insurer is definitely likely to try and get you away from danger, like changing your itinerary, for example. Another thing that you really want to get coverage for um, these days is COVID, and you know it seems like a distant memory, and hopefully it's behind us. But 
Um, are most providers still offering coverage for COVID? And what are some of the most important key things that we should be looking out for when getting um, COVID coverage? Yeah, so the pandemic was definitely a tricky time for the travel industry, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, there are there are some general exclusions around pandemics and epidemics, but the industry has had to adapt, basically, in one way, shape or form, most insurers are covering COVID in some manner. Kind of it generally varies around if you're covered medically, if you catch it overseas or whether you catch it in Australia and you want to cancel your holiday. So, yeah, look out for the medical cover side of things. And that will cover, that will cover evacuation as well. Um, yeah, some insurers are providing cancellation or trip curtailment if you catch COVID and can no longer go. And some are maybe covering missed port cover. But um, I think something to bear in mind that if you have a planned activity on a holiday due to illness, whether it's COVID or not, travel insurance as a rule doesn't really cover for loss of enjoyment. So there will be some things you can claim for and some things you can't essentially. Mm. Awesome. That's good to know. And I guess probably something on a lot of our listeners' minds and a lot of Aussies' minds is how can you actually save money on travel insurance? I know. We want to save one on everything, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I think the best way is to shop around and use a comparison. So you're comparing like-for-like features. Um, I think I mentioned it before as well, the add-ons that you may or may not need or if you just want a medical-only policy or you can take out the cancellation part, but basically don't pay for the bits you don't maybe need. If you are a travel lover, um, you could consider an annual multi-trip, which allows you to go on multiple trips throughout the year for to cover you the whole year, 365 days. Um, certain trips have to be within certain limits, but that's another option how you could, if you're going on more than, say, three trips a year, you could definitely save with an annual multi-trip. Mm-hmm. You can usually, like with other types of insurance, pick your excess as well. So if you um, pay a higher excess to start with, your um, sorry, reduce, <laughs> start again. You can um, increase your excess, which basically reduces your premium up front, but it mm-hmm. means you have to pay more in the event of a claim. So that's another good way to kind of save on money up front. And then some people could consider um, insurance by their credit card, but I would kind of say use this with caution because that type of insurance does need to be activated um, if you're going to pay for the card on your holiday, that sort of thing. And pre-existing medical conditions and, and adventure activities might not always be covered on credit card insurance. So that's just mm-hmm. something. Always read the small print, however boring it may seem. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, to round us off, um, I guess, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people making um, when they're taking out a travel insurance policy? Yeah, it was a bit, some of the answers are similar to the claims one, but taking out the wrong policy, people are not reading the disclaimers and understanding what they're purchasing. I think people just think that travel insurance covers everything. Mm. Um, the definition of journey, probably. So, yeah, you've already bought, you already left for your holiday and you're purchasing a policy that's now likely to be invalid. 
Um, yeah. We do see people as well who are moving overseas and they're trying to buy travel insurance for like health insurance. Um, so it's, that's definitely something that is a common mistake. We basically must have the intention to return to Australia for the policy to be valid. Mm -hmm. um, reasonable is the word that's used a lot in travel insurance, reasonable expensive. So if you change hotels because you couldn't stay at your accommodation, maybe because of a flood or something, and you booked yourself into a penthouse when your first accommodation <laughs> was a standard room, yeah. travel insurance isn't, isn't going to cover the difference. So it will compensate you, but at the same level that you initially booked. Yeah, And that's the same thing with flights. We often see people booking first-class tickets thinking, oh, great, my travel insurance will cover it. But if your first flight was an economy, we're only going to cover you for an economy seat. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. We're not paying for your upgrade. Cheeky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very cheeky. Um, those, are the, those are the main things that we see. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for pro providing all of that info. And that's actually, that's all we've got time for. So thank you for sharing your insights thank on you. all things hopefully, travel insurance. Thank you. Hopefully it helps some people out there. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully Emma's got some more, some more tips up her sleeve more little now. tips. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Have the best time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Natalie. Well, that was great having Natalie on. And I guess probably the single biggest reason for getting travel insurance is medical cover. Even she mm. said it, you know, without without it, you are personally liable for covering medical expenses. And the cost could be exorbitant depending on your situation. I mean, like even like like when she mentioned those hospital fees, like one to three thousand mm. dollars or one to two thousand dollars, like not no one's got that much money, you know, lying around that they've got extra to pay. Yeah. on their holiday I think you know everything that you save up for a trip is meant to go towards whatever you're planning on doing so yeah it would be terrible and to like think that a couple grand needs to go towards you know something that might happen to you medically yeah and the U.S. is particularly renowned for having such an expensive medical system um and like I've seen so many people you know so many GoFundMe pages people that didn't take oh, out yeah. travel insurance and people that ended up going bankrupt because they had to remortgage their house. So, yeah, you really don't want oh to end gosh. up in that sort of situation. <laughs> no. So, Em and I think the best way to sort of end this episode is to bust some myths on travel insurance. So, here are some of the myths that you should not believe. It's a waste of money. Um, I don't think so after listening no. to this episode <laughs> and <laughs> hearing Natalie Definitely speak. Not. And even if you don't, you don't end up using yep. it, it's still like the best quote unquote waste of money that you've ever made sort of thing. Cause if you didn't end up using it, well then at least you were covered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I guess there's like no, like the weight is lifted off your shoulders just in yeah. case something was, was to just happen. Yeah. Yeah. And another myth, you don't need travel insurance if you're going to a safe country. Well, you never know what can happen. So it's mm. always best to get travel insurance. Yep. The next one is you don't need travel insurance if you're healthy. Well, I guess we see plenty of people who are healthy and something unexpected happens to them. So it's always best to have that medical insurance there just in case. And yep. the last one, you don't need to purchase travel insurance until the day you leave. Yeah, if you can, it's worthwhile trying to purchase travel insurance as soon as you start booking your holiday. 
Um, a lot of people recommend booking your travel insurance once you've booked your flights and accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't cost you any more to take out travel insurance in the weeks leading up to your trip because you're still entering the same travel dates. Just by purchasing it sooner rather than later, you should be covered um, should something happen in the lead up to your trip, that means that you can no longer travel on those dates or have to make other changes. Um, you know, so if you get sick, um, if uh, who knows what could happen in the months leading up where you have to cancel it, at least then you're covered if you've taken out travel insurance well before. Um, and remember, if you're leaving Australia, travel insurance is just as essential as a passport. Exactly. I really like that phrase. And that is all we have time for. Hopefully we've helped you guys out and Emma a little more about what to look out for when choosing travel insurance and just how important it can be. If you like the episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and we'll speak to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Any advice shared here is general in nature and should not be relied upon to make a financial decision. 